Sure. Uh, so Dave is uh, in Hermanus today. He's preaching by a rain church. Um, and there, so we, we pray for him and we bless him. Um, some of the other people we've been praying for that have got COVID, the guys from India, um, Lorette and Rahul, that we've been uh, supporting and connected to in Varanasi in India, um, the most holiest city in India. They're right there taking care of children, blessing them, doing wonderful work in India. The whole family's got COVID, and, and it was really in a very bad time period where that's happened. So can we just agree for them? We just pray for them. And the second thing is Pastor Dario um, from Argentina is, was hospitalized uh, from Buenos Aires, very good friend of his ministry. Um, and he's, it seems like he's going, it's going better with him, but he's still in hospital. So we're just going to agree that that's just going to stop. He's going to get healed and he's going to come out. He's got a great calling on his life, him and his family. So we just take a quick moment and just pray for that right now. Father, I thank you. We just pray for those ministries. Firstly, we pray for rain this morning. As Dave ministers there, may it be life to that church. May that church explode this morning. May it be a new season of overflow and abundance for Hermanus. We bless them. We bless the couple. We bless this day. We pray for India. Pray for Lorette and Raul and their family. And also for Pastor Dario and um, in Buenos Aires. We thank you, Lord, this morning. We can just we can just declare over them healing right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. In this moment, they are healed. They are healed right now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Awesome. So, why don't you turn with me to Luke chapter 5? Luke 5. I was wondering how I was going to go. What's the name of the uh, theme or title of today is the invitation. And uh, I was thinking last, during the week where I'm going to go with this, what God's stirring in my heart. And so we don't just show up on a Sunday or a Saturday afternoon and then go, um, what's going to be a good thing to talk about? <laughs> go on to sermons.com. And then try and find, eh, what would be nice to talk about? No, no it's, a, it's an entire week of preparing. It's more than just a week. It's stuff that stirs in our heart. It's things that we talk about as pastors and, and things we feel God is speaking to, uh, not just our church, but stuff that, we need, that needs to be declared into the Spirit. Because we're not just preaching into, into this moment, we're preaching into eternity. What's being released is by word. God thought about you, but yet in a moment declared, let there be light. He said you were on his mind way before the earth was created. But we only spoke into existence. How did it come about? By speaking. God declared, and man itself was touched by it. Um, can everybody hear me? Can you maybe put me a little bit louder? I'll try and talk as loud as Dave. Go, go loud. <laughs> Um, but so there's, and I was thinking, okay, so how do we get into today? Where do I start today? And because today is about the call upon our life, the call. And I thought about the calling on my life, calling on my parents' life. How did they get into ministry? Uh, 30, 30 odd years ago, more than that, but like basically my entire life, uh, like by the age of five or six, my parents were in church and they didn't leave church. They were basically there all the time. And I joked about staying at church, and now I actually do. <laughs> uh, but the context of it is that when they got saved, they got saved radically. My parents didn't go from, from being 
and they partied. They partied hard. Uh, there's some photos. They won every dance competition, every cool style. My parents were the coolest. Where they used to see these these uh, um, high high platform shoes, turn ups. Uh, what's the, what do they call those? Those uh, bell bottoms. That's the word I was looking for. These bell. My dad. There's one picture of my parents. Man, it is the coolest picture ever. My mom took her her. Um, my grandmother's wedding dress and turned it into a party dress. Um, and they went to this club in, in Hillbrow. My dad had this blue suit on with his hat and his turnips with this uh, platform shoes. They won the, the competition the night. They were just looking really 70s disco by the time they got there. And I just love the picture because it's, I, I look at that and I look at who they are today and I realize God saved them from something. <laughs> My dad could really dope. No, no, he couldn't. He could He was called Sergeant Frost at one stage because they found him outside, drunk and passed out, and all the frost was all over him. It was wild. I mean, when he got, I know I've said this before. When he got saved, he had, he had still had some doobie down in the pocket from the from the shirt he put on. He realized, oh, this I mean, yeah. And he got saved with some doobie still in his pocket. If you don't know what that is, ask your child. Maybe not. I know they won't know what doobie is. <laughs> Just kidding, just kidding. Um, as they were saved from something. There was a call upon my mother's life, and my dad got into it. And, and if you read all the things, my, my grandmother's mother used to pray for her and pray for the children and that God would save them. She was a praying woman. Uh, same within my mom's side, praying, praying for their children, desiring them to get saved. And I miss some of that in the generation we're in of praying for our family and praying for our friends. It's kind of haphazard, but there is a reality of hell and there is a reality of salvation. And it's not just about getting to heaven, but of them really getting saved and living the life right now. So when my parents got saved from this party, out-party lifestyle uh, that they were still living, and my dad was going in and out of army for a 10-year basis, um, even when he got saved. He was there for six to, three to six months uh, at a time out on camp. And so I grew up in a semi-army um, environment as a child. But when they got saved, they got saved radically. They were in church all the time. We were in from youth to prayer to to semi-prayer, to after-prayer, to Sunday morning, Sunday evening. They were there all the time. They got involved solidly, and, and it was phenomenal. We grew up in that. And so my dad and mom were still working while there were a lot at church. And I'm, I'm trying to rush the story, but you're going to get where I'm going with this now, so just stick with me. But when they got saved through this process... Um, my dad was a salesman and my mom too, both had company cars, were doing well. And so at the age of 13, uh, my mom and dad, who had been studying and got into, decided to go into full-time ministry and leave their jobs and go into ministry. And the church denomination that they were going into or they were part of, the wife were not allowed to work as a pastor's wife. The church had to take care of both of them. So where we m both had nice Growing up as kids, there was more than enough. We went only once to the shop per month. Find out now what happened. Once a month to buy all the groceries for the entire month. Ministry, we go there almost every day because you only have money for today. <laughs> Not tomorrow, today. Only today. And so from having full stuff to just having for the day. And where they both had company cars with air cons, we went to a Ford Escort. 
my mom's old Ford Escort that she, that she had when she was a, a, a young lady with no aircon. And then the church gave them a little car, a Datsun, um, I can't even remember what kind of Datsun it was. This Datsun never started. We always had to push it. So my parents went from having two company cars, more than enough money to go on holiday, we had some amazing holidays, to going to the call of God in their life, where we basically lived in a, had a Ford Escort, struggling, and then when my dad got a church car, that church car never started. We always had to push start it. And then my dad also had a sense of humor to sometimes when it could start, not start it, just so we can push it. We always found a way to laugh. <laughs> always had a joke in the pocket, up the sleeve. The context is the call of God was greater than what looked at what they were facing. They knew that they were going from two salaries to not even half a salary. But the call of God was greater because there was something inside of them. And when I look at that young man that says, all I want to do is when is church? When can I serve God? I want to be there. I want to do this. It looks insane. And then my dad says, hey, we're going to a town called Malmesbury. When I was 12, 13 years old, where is mom's bread? In Cape Town. And we thought, Cape Town, it's going to be amazing. And then we pull into mom's bread. It's a one horse town and the horse died. Wilt, Poppy, Wilt. It's crazy. And then at that stage, my dad got given a car. So it was great. It was a BMW, old BMW, nice BMW, but it had this BMW. So I had to go, because I was in a technical school, I had to go to um, another, uh, another town, to Paul. So my parents, would, uh, it was a lift club. I was driving with these elderly gentlemen, some teachers and some workers. And part of the lift club, once a, once a week, my dad had to give his car so they could take his car through to um, the Paul from Malmesbury. So I was driving for more than a year and a half every single day to that and then spend the whole day there waiting to drive back with them in the evening. So I would sit and do my homework at school and, and sometimes there was just enough money for maybe a, a, a piece of bread with a bit of bologna on. That was it. That was my lunch for the entire day. So I would take that and go there and sit. I'm not telling you the stories to build up that we were poor, but we were really poor. In the understanding that the call of God was greater than what was facing in our hand. We pursued him because there was a call. There was something about an encounter with God that Dave and Elby had when they were young that took them from a lifestyle of partying and going a certain way to saying, I'm giving everything up for Jesus. No matter what that looks like, no matter how that is, I'm giving everything up for Jesus. So when you come and you stand up front to me and you tell me about your life or you tell them about your life and the circumstances you're going through, just for one second, no, we know what it is to have nothing. But I know what it is to trust Jesus more than it is to trust your boss or the economy or anything else because I've given it all up for the call. I know what it is to have the, the sheriff of the court knock at the door and everybody say, shh, be quiet. The sheriff's here. <laughs> Maybe some of you have had that experience. Maybe some of you have never had that experience. I know what it is to see my parents lose everything, not just once, not just twice, but three times for the call. And see God still take care of them. And still take, not put their eyes on what they've lost, but on what they've gained, because they've gained Jesus. I'm telling you something that Peter got in Luke 5. Let's go here. 
the invitation. Just before I read this about Peter, sorry. In this process of the call on David and Alva's life, I've seen so many times in conferences or places where they were called out and prophesied over what God was going to do in my dad's life, what God was going to do in my mom's life, what he would do for us as family. And I've seen rare moments where that's fully come to pass, but the word remains. I'm talking about 20, 30 years of word that I've not seen all of it come to pass. The word remains. You get a prophetic word one week, and you expect sometimes that prophetic word to happen within two or three weeks down the line. I've seen 20, 30 years, and then the word only comes to pass. Where somebody steps into something, where God opens a door, where God does something in a moment. When you hold to God's word, that's the truth. That's the call. That's the invitation. In my own life, where God's called me, where I try to run away, and I'm going to get into my testimony because otherwise we don't have the time to talk about that this morning. But in every single time when the word of God was there, me trying to run away from him, constantly pursued me and me grabbing hold of that invitation, truly having an encounter with Jesus, changed it all and brought me to that. So here's a story of an encounter. Um, so it was that the multitude, it's uh, Luke 5 verse 1. So it is when a multitude pressed, on, uh, pressed about him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats standing by the lake, by the fisher, uh, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing the net. So Peter wasn't even in it. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked, some to put, um, asked him to put it a little out from land. And he sat down and taught the multitude from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, 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 at your word, I will let down the net. When he had done this, they caught a great, a great number of fish. And their, um, and their nets was breaking. <laughs> um, and so they signaled a part of their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats, um, both the boats, and they began to sink. And Simon Peter saw it. He fell down at, the, at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he, had all, um, so for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. Um, from now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boat to the land, they forsook all and followed him. This is an interesting story. Because in this very moment, Jesus provides something that is so great that probably would have paid off their entire year's debt. Jesus provided something supernatural in their business, in their life. In their, but the moment they had an encounter with who God is, they left everything behind to follow him. Does that mean you leave your business? You leave No. They had an encounter where they said, I'm not looking at what I've just got. I'm looking at you. So many times, what we get in a moment, we get blessed. We, get t we, we look at that, and that becomes the focus. 
You know, so many times people get blessed, they become millionaires. Then they're like, no, we're too busy for church. Because huh. it's going well with the business. What does Peter talk about? Peter lets everything go to follow him. Then his name gets changed, his life gets changed. What's the thing that, that he says to him? I'm inviting you to follow me. And what I'll do in your life is I'll make you a fisher of men. There's an invitation that he calls him into. And when he calls him into that invitation, what does he call him to? He calls him to service. He doesn't say, Peter, you had a wonderful encounter with me. Go home and set up your blessed assurance. Go home, do nothing. I don't want you to be part of this thing. Jesus didn't come to the earth, walked alone like the lone ranger, riding on a donkey and doing it all by himself. Well, what did he do? He called disciples. You know, in, in three of the Gospels, one of the most significant things that they bring out is when Matthew is called, the tax collector. Who does Jesus choose? First ones he gets into are these four fishermen. They're not the best of the best. He pulls them in. Then he goes for the tax collector. Philip, who was walking with uh, John, who is one of John's, probably one of John's disciples, is so moved by Jesus. When John says, that is the Messiah, he basically says to John, thank you for what you've done with me, but if that is the Messiah, I'm going for him. He leaves that and follows Jesus. So he doesn't stick to what that is. He sees what God is doing. He has an encounter when he sees the baptism. Something of that shifts him. These are ordinary men. Ordinary men who gets moved by an invitation of what the Spirit is doing and follows Jesus. They leave everything they know. Philip knew that. Matthew was a tax collector. He had a lot of spandulas, schmegaroos, Benjamin, Benjamin, Herod's, I don't know. <laughs> a lot of Pontius Pilate. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, he had a lot of that. What did he do? He had an encounter. He did not understand that because if we look at what history is, probably 10 to 1, Matthew did not finish the, any of the Hebrew school things. He didn't, wasn't part of that. He was totally that. He was, a, he, he was separate to them. Jesus didn't just go and, and get the best of the best of the Jewish. He went and fetched the tax collector. He brings Matthew in. He brings Philip in. And what does Philip do? Philip's so moved by what happens. He goes to Nathaniel. He says, Nathaniel, you've got to come and meet this man from where? Nazareth. What does Nathaniel say? What in the world can come from Benoni? It's Boxburg Brew Springs. I stayed in all those bad places. I can joke about them. Boxburg, Benoni, Springs, Kempton, Bitponk, Pretoria West. No, you can say... The Westerrand, the Wild West. I can joke about those. Strand. Oh, come on, let's be honest. You're not living in Camps Bay. You haven't got a penthouse suite with a Ferrari in the, in the garage. Not yet. <laughs> come on. What happened is the encounter when Nathaniel goes. Nathaniel leaves it all and says, I haven't seen you. This is something I've got to go meet. When he gets to Jesus, what does he get? An encounter. He gets an encounter. And these men receive something that changes their world. 
For three and a half years, they walk with Jesus. They talk with Jesus. They bring people in. There's more and more people that come. They have encounters. And what do they do? All they want is Jesus. All they want is Jesus. They don't care about where it happens to them. These guys are feeding people out in the fields. They're sleeping out in the fields. They leave their businesses. They want. Peter had a wife. For a large majority, he was away from home. Sleeping alone. No cuddles. Out there serving with Jesus. Healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers, out on the boat, doing all these things. Do you know how hard work that is? Thousands of people being ministered to, protecting Jesus, helping Jesus, then saying, stay away, come closer. Now, not now. Jesus going, oh, Jesus, all night. Hey, do you have any idea what that is? They gave up everything to follow him. And then he dies on them. How confusing. And now he's back. And he's alive. But here's the interesting thing. I heard Dave's sermon, if you want to watch something that's going to rock your world, and I hope you are, is Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, when he spoke about witnesses. Probably one of the sermons that rocked me the most in a very, very long time. Because if you think about what they did, is they saw Jesus raised. What was their testimony about? It wasn't about anything else, but he's alive. How God's alive. He's not dead. It wasn't about the fact that he... I never hear Peter talk about the fishes again. Meaning it's not a reoccurring thing like every time he gets up like, Hey, Jesus gave me a lot of fishes. What does he talk about? What is the thing? I encountered this Jesus. So Louis Giglio speaks on the, the Jerusalem Mile. I've got a few more minutes, just stick with me. The Jerusalem Mile. And he uses all these different things about the quickest mile. When, when um, it was Bannister, it ran it uh, under, under, what was it, under four minutes for those. And he, and he used all these stats and he says, but there was, a, there was a mile being run on Sunday morning. On Easter Sunday, it was a mile on, on Resurrection Day that was run by two. And we know who won. We know who both who ran. But it's interesting how the mile started. The mile started with a woman. This woman went down. We had known this Jesus. Was ready to go and take care of this Jesus who's in a grave now. They've built their life on. They've had an encounter with this Jesus. I will try and hold emotion back today because it's like I'm so emotional about what God's doing right now. They're there. She gets to the grave. She steps into the new that we're in. Stones rolled away. She had, what is the angel? He's not here. He's alive. What kind of thing happens to her? She doesn't go like, you know, I've got to go to the shops now and uh, do this. I've got to, yeah, I'm so worried about tomorrow's budget. I'm so worried if I'm right or wrong. I'm, I'm so worried if I have it all figured out. I'm so, I'm so worried about, no. What does she do? She runs. There's something about having an encounter with him that moves you that moves every bit of who you are. She runs to the disciples. She runs in there and says, Peter, John, he's alive. And they all 
running. Now listen, it wasn't a straight mile. It's through the city. So they probably bumped a few people. They're probably like, get out of my way. Guy says, hey, don't you want to buy? Get out of my way. I am going to see this. I need to go experience what this is. They ran there. They ran into the grave, into what it is. Sure. And, and this moment becomes the testimony of their lives. What Dave shared, and I want to reiterate it again. If you want to kill something, what do you do? You kill the witnesses. But the more they killed the witnesses, the more the message grew. Because the more people had encounters with this Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have never become more real to me than the time that we're in right now. The simplicity of the gospel. Who did Jesus choose? He chose you. Didn't go for the best of the best. He didn't go even with somebody that, listen, the one who, Paul, who gets touched by him, looks at his entire education of what he knew and says it's all rubbish. Because I know Jesus now. Look at what he goes, of course a tax collector. Of course fishermen. Just come follow me. And then what does he do? He says, guys, I've taught you enough. I'm going. I leave the entire church up to you guys. You all ran away when I got crucified. You scaredies. <laughs> Thomas doubted. Philip didn't even know what Jesus was talking about. Peter wanted to chop off ears and got confused and then denied him. Judas betrayed him. He leaves it all up to those because he chose them. Or by an encounter. And then what did these guys do? They didn't have it all figured out. But yet God allowed the church to be birthed by those men. If He trusted them, He trusts you. He loves you. He's off to you. I'm sharing this today because there is a call that goes out in Matthew 28 when he says, make disciples of all men. My desire is not for me to just have this encounter. When, I saw the, when you see the open grave and you get touched by Jesus, what do you want to do? You want to tell everybody and every single person he's alive. What he did for me. I don't know all the theological things. Right now, even me. I'm in, I'm in 20 years in ministry. I don't know it all. Some just talk rubbish. But I know who I was. And I know who I am today. That's undeniable. I've had an encounter with Jesus. I want you to have one too. Not just today, not just tomorrow, but in 10 years from now and 20 years from now, I want you to experience this Jesus the same way I know Him. Because He doesn't look at what you got on the outside. He looks at who you are on the inside. He knows your heart. And His Word will change you. His love will lift you up. But he's calling you back to the simplicity of what that is. An encounter with him.
Why don't you just close your eyes for a moment? Our greatest desire as church and church leaders is for you to encounter Jesus. For you to encounter this God because then refire that, that moment, that that's what makes you alive. That's what brought my parents to start all of this, to do all of what they that's what made me be the way. That's what others, that's what made those disciples leave their boats because all they wanted was Jesus. Just wanted Jesus. More of him, to know him more to encounter Him more. I thank You, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, that people here today will encounter You. Encounter you, Holy Spirit. drink in this moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you're igniting fires again in hearts. Just overwhelmed by your presence, touched by your love today. That we will touch those around us. We ignite a fire in our nation, ignite a fire in our communities. Just so in love with your presence, so in love with who you are, Lord. Pray those encounters, Jesus, that you'll just reveal, Holy Spirit, reveal it like never before to everyone in this place. Reveal yourself. I thank you for that, Lord, today. As we go out into this week, as we step into this time of prayer in the month of May, and we're just seeking more of your presence, seeking more of you, and your glory to fill this place. Holy Spirit, 
this is all you. Have your way, have your way, have your way. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I thank you for the Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. I want to encourage you the next few weeks. Let's go read the Gospels again. Just, just read Jesus. Just take the, take the time to have the encounters with Him. Make time. Put away some of the other stuff. Lord, all I want to, I want to spend time with you, Jesus. I want to hear your voice. I just want to love you. I want to just read again. The more I read the gospel, I've read it so many times, the gospel. Just started reading it again and just so moved by what I'm reading. I know it will bless you. Thanks for coming. I hope that this day will be filled with your with godly presence and the rest of this week. Encounters in your room, encounters in your dreams. Come on, when you go to bed, don't just go to bed purposeless. Before you fall asleep, Lord, fill my dreams tonight. Hey, man, what can you have for the time that you're asleep? Just encounters with Jesus. Encounters with Jesus. Bless you. Hope that you, hope the word blessed you today. I hope it stirred something in your heart. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you.